Let's get it started up top with this episode. We got to dive into some stuff before we get into all that. You know, ball podcast. Sign up for the Patreon if you have not already. For five dollars a month, you can get access to the episode we recorded last week on Thanksgiving Eve. We did an episode where we talked about players who could be washed or not. Some players later into their careers, mm-hmm. in their thirties and uh, almost forties, that could potentially be washed. Um, so that was a fun episode that we did. We also have some other stuff planned coming up. Soon you'll get a taste of what that looks like for the holiday season. If you sign up for the Patreon, you also get access to the Uniball Discord as well. So you can follow us live on Playback. We'll be doing streams and recording the main episodes every single week on Monday or Tuesday. So follow us on Playback if you have not already. But we do have some some important news that we need to get up to uh, up top involving a young star point guard in the NBA, about six eight, six nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's been talking about it. I don't know if you saw this, but Lamelo Ball is out with an ankle injury. That's pretty much the biggest. That's like the biggest news coming out about a ball handling player of his size uh, that everyone on Twitter is talking about. Exactly. Um, you know, just a lot of speculation. Um, it's kind of creating some meta discussions about how we report on this news. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's like, why is Shams uh why does Shams have this against Lamelo? Why is he reporting that he's gonna be out for an extended period? Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just I that's you know, obviously crushing and it's all that anyone could ever talk about online and, and, and we'll bring up a lot of discord. It's just really unfortunate to see it kind of unfold that way. So I just, you know, prayers up for LaMelo, obviously uh, really, really sad. The ball family, the Hornets are cursed. The ball family's cursed from wearing the big baller brand sweatshop shoes, as people have pointed out. And uh, it's, it's really unfortunate that the uh, you know, the, they have to go through this. Once again, but before we actually get into anything else, a basketball game was played last night between the Mm. Philadelphia 76ers and the Lakers, which (laughs) was the worst loss of LeBron James' NBA career. 21 years. Let's go. He has never lost a game by this many points. The Sixers won by 44 points. Uh, When when LeBron was pulled from the game, it was already out of hand. It was about a 30-point difference. Uh, the Sixers have now beat the Lakers 10 out of the last 11 times that they've played. They haven't lost a game since before COVID. And worst of all, they made Marcus Morris and Patrick Beverly look like they were squarely in the middle of their prime last night. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited, obviously, as a Sixers fan. And I think that this will touch on the thing that we talk about a little bit later, which is the contender versus pretender draft. But um, I don't understand where anyone is coming from when you're talking about potential contenders versus pretenders that the Lakers could potentially be. I saw Kevin O'Connor put them at number four on his rankings, the mm-hmm. power rankings before this game. I saw HP Basketball say that they were the favorites in the NBA along with the Celtics the uh, and, and the Timberwolves. I, I feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit. This team is not good. Uh, they have basically only won NBA Cup games. They have won three games that were NBA Cup games, or four games. I think they swept the NBA Cup. I might, I might be a little bit 
off there, but uh, they they stink. I don't under I, they're not contenders at all. Like, no. where where did I I know you you talked about potentially betting against them making the playoffs, but where did this come from? I mean, I I just think that we've we've talked about this a little bit, like in group chats and stuff like that. I just think that the, the there's no bad teams anymore. You know what I'm saying? We're 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 coming out of this chapter of the West being like really mid, like really mid, aggressively mid, like over the last two years. And the Lakers have kind of benefited from that, where it's kind of buoyed them, even when they've been bad, like they were during the Russ year. Um, they kind of pulled it together with some of these other guys um, that they got at the trade deadline, but they were able to get to the conference finals on the back of um, a really beneficial matchup in a Grizzlies team that was um, missing a center that we now know when the Grizzlies are missing a center, it's, <laughs> you know, when they're missing Steven Adams, they're, they're, they're pretty bad. Um, and, and also then, Jared Jackson Jr. is just like the worst player of all time now. <laughs> like yes. what yeah. happened? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's like completely fallen off a cliff. Um, and then they, I still, I, I still say it's like one of the most baffling outcomes in like modern playoff history that they like beat the, um, the, the Warriors, I guess maybe just like Andrew Wiggins was mid, uh, was kind of falling apart and it was, uh, coming before then. So I don't know. I, I, I think that this is just kind of who the Lakers are. I think they're, I think they will be playoff risers in a way. But I think that the playoff rising will be like they'll put a good scare on whoever they play in the first round and still ultimately lose. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't think I think they're probably going to be in the play-in tournament again. Um, and I just think that there's a lot of West teams that are like just clearly better. Like there's just not enough spots like in the West, and I, I just don't think that they're. I just don't think that they're that much better. Like, I think the Warriors are going to be better. Um, the Clippers might stink, but I'm not sure the Lakers are way better than the Clippers, to be totally honest, on any given day. So, just whatever it is, yeah. This was the thing that was driving me a little bit insane before the game yesterday. Look, I knew that the Sixers were going to beat the Lakers. Like I said, they haven't lost to them since before COVID. So, they just kind of own this matchup. It's not a matchup that's really ever been a problem for the Sixers, even when the Lakers were, you know, making making the conference finals last year and having some competent teams around them like he did they did uh three years ago. But the, the point that I want to get into here is I had a lot of people pushing back on my post about this when after the Sixers destroyed them, I posted a screenshot of Kevin O'Connor's power rankings. And in the description of the power rankings he described it as the, you know, this is not about regular season stuff. This is about championship equity, which I understand. I get that. I totally uh, understand. We've done that before as well. And before the season, I might have even had the Lakers ahead of the Sixers. I honestly can't remember. But having seen, you know, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season here. Like the Lakers have now played 18 games. The Sixers have now played 17 games. There was enough there to know that the Sixers were not only the better team coming into this matchup, but also they have more championship equity just on the fact that they're more likely to make the playoffs. And that was what was really pissing me off was that people were tweeting me like, this is about championship stuff. And I'm like, are we sure the Lakers are going to make the playoffs? Because right now they're the eight seed 
And they were outperforming their net rating coming into yesterday. Now, they got destroyed in their net ratings way down, but they actually had more wins than they were expected going into yesterday's game. They were missing Cam Reddish, which I know that sounds like a joke, but Cam Reddish has been super important for them. And that, if Cam Reddish, I know that they do this thing where they, like people pointed out in the comments, Lonnie Walker had this crazy series last year. For them, he has that run in the uh, Warrior series. Um, they've also rehabbed Malik Monk's career. Like they do this every single year, and they're doing it with this year with Cam Reddish. But if he's that important to your team, then your team is not very good. Like if Cam Reddish is so important that you're you're getting destroyed by this decent team that you play in the road. And yes, the Sixers shot the shit out of the ball. They shot fifty percent for three for most of the game. But as I was saying during the stream, they were wide open looks. The Sixers were generating any kind of quality shot that they wanted at any time. Maxi looked unstoppable. They couldn't stop Joel Embiid. They had no resistance on the defensive end, and their offense is just miserable when LeBron and AD play the way that they did yesterday. And honestly, it's it's still, I think it's like the 24th or 25th offense in the NBA based on cleaning the glass. So I came out of that game thinking there's no way that the Lakers are real contenders. And I kind of had already felt that going into yesterday's game. They have basically one quality win on the season, and then they have some nice wins in the in-season tournament games. And I'm sure they'll win the in-season tournament and get a lot of hype. But I came out of that game, I, I, I don't think the Sixers really need to prove anything to me in the regular season. I know they're always a really good regular season team. But that was the performance that I've been waiting for from the Sixers all season to be like, wow, this team actually can just completely destroy another team that, you know, like I said, I don't think they're contenders, but they are a playoff play-in team potentially. And I don't know, I just come out of that game feeling a lot worse about the Lakers and a lot better about the Sixers. Now with Joel Embiid, when he plays, the Sixers have not had any games this season where they have basically not competed. Like, Every single game they have competed this season when Joel Embiid plays. Minnesota, they got destroyed, but Joel was out. They're on the second half of a back-to-back. I feel incredibly good if we want to talk about contenders versus pretenders. I feel really good from where the Sixers are at right now, and I feel like the epitome of this pretender thing that we talk about, the Lakers are kind of fitting that bill so far, at least in this season. Yeah, they're not. They're not realistic. They were pretenders last year. They they hit their ceiling – like. That was the furthest they were ever going to go last year, which is what... Wait, wait, wait. It was the the most competitive competitive sweep of all time. Yeah, exactly. That's what made the competitive sweep thing so fucking funny. It's like, no, it really wasn't the most competitive sweep of all time, actually. If you watch those games, did you ever think Denver was going to lose? Maybe once. Maybe one game. I think there was one game when Austin Reeves scored like 40 points, uh, or like 30-something points, and I was like, okay, they could lose this game. But there was no point that I thought they had any chance in that series. Yeah. So it's it's really like I they're just they're just not good and I think that there is something I do think they're a better playoff team than they are a regular season team for like the obvious reasons that they're old and thin and you know LeBron James is probably the greatest player of all time if not second best and he just has that even at his old man age, he still kind of can kind of dig into the bag and kind of just will them to some sort of win. But I don't really think that uh I, I don't really think that that is gonna be I, I just I just don't see them 
especially in this West, like I'm not even sure they're going to win a playoff series. I actually might bet against them winning a playoff series at this point. So, well, you you bet against? Did you actually put money on that when you said that a few weeks ago, or you were no. just? No, I well, I don't uh, I don't bet anymore until we uh, pick up a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> well, Unless you want to sponsor, you know, ball. <laughs> I of course um, wholeheartedly endorse all of our sponsors. Um, gambling is evil. Don't do it. Unless, unless, <laughs> unless, unless somebody, I will be shaking my thang for that DraftKings money if we did. <laughs> but. Uh, I'm gonna, by the way, censor that part where he says the name of the company. We won't. We don't want to give them any free plugs. Yeah, no. Well, th- I'm, I'm saying gambling is evil. Don't do it. However, we will censor the name of the company <laughs> when I say what gambling is evil, except for any companies that sponsor us because they're ethical. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I just I don't know. I think we got into a big argument in the. Uh, I'm of the opinion the West is pretty good this year. Um, also, I think I think the East is a little bit of a paper tiger um, this this year versus uh, you know the the West. I know the records are essentially the same, and everyone was throwing all these stats at me. I still I test just watching games night in night out. I think the West is a much more competitive. Um, out west, and I think that's going to bear out by the time the end of the year comes around. And once we start getting into the playoffs with some of these players like Steph Curry, LeBron, Jokic, um, Devin Booker, um, even fucking Kevin Durant, Luca, all of these guys are like top, top, top guys and I, you know, playoff performers throughout their career. And it's just like, I'm sorry, the New York Knicks and the Indiana Pacers do not move me in the same way. I know Tyrese Halliburton's good. I know Jalen Brunson's good, but like, they're not, they're not going to be that. I just, it's a much harder road for the Lakers to, for them to kind of um, nonsense their way to that type of uh, uh, Western conference finals birth again. You know, the West has been Fugazi for a little bit now um, and it's back to being, Normal, at least. The depth so. is there at a very very minimum. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about teams that have top-end yeah. talent. Like, the Lakers could miss, the Pelicans could miss, the Warriors could miss. There's plenty of teams that we will discuss during the contender protect, uh, pretender mm-hmm. section that could potentially miss out on the playoffs this year. And I, I think that the while the East has gotten some nice young teams on the rise, I still need to see what that really looks like in the playoffs. And even the team that we'll discuss in a little bit, um, in 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 terms of just like where they kind of fit in the contender status, the Oklahoma City Thunder, I do trust them a little bit more because it's like Shea's a first team All NBA guy already. Like, like he doesn't he he can he, I think if he gets to the playoffs there's no reason in my mind that he shouldn't be a playoff riser and be a guy that could potentially carry their team to multiple playoff victories. So I think the West is really tough. I think that the, uh, I think that the East is going to be certainly interesting in the playoffs and yeah. we'll get into, you know, what teams that we, we think could be contenders and pretenders in a little bit, but the team that I wanted to talk about a little bit here before we start talking about the good teams is the, Detroit Pistons, <laughs> because they're not in the contender pretender things. They're just like the worst team in the NBA by, I would say, a fairly wide margin. It might not add up with net rating. Maybe the Spurs are worse, or I would imagine that they're 
the uh, the Wizards are are a little bit worse even after they beat them last night in one of the most depressing games that I've ever yes. seen. Oh man, it's so Pistons, bad. Pistons Wizards. Going into that game, both teams had two wins on the season. The Wizards win pretty comfortably in Detroit. And we've talked a little bit about the Pistons, but I thought their rock bottom was like two weeks ago. Now we're we're, we're going on, I think it's, is it, you could get me, uh, I might be wrong here, but I think they've lost 14 in a row. They're 2-15 and 15 on the season. They look completely directionless. And this stat blew my mind from uh, Joseph Cacharo uh, of Pound the Rock, one of my favorite NBA podcasts. If you don't listen to it, you should go listen to it. One of the most mind-blowing things to me is the fact that they have now lost during the five-year uh, playoff drought that the uh, the process Sixers went through. They actually won more games than the Detroit Pistons have during this rebuild era. They are the Pistons are currently worse than the process Sixers, who oh, one time God. won 10 games in a season. Oh, man. And as he points out in this article that he wrote for the score, the Pistons over the last five years have won 25% of their games. Uh the Sixers won 26% of their games during the process years. And during uh, Joel Embiid's one year that he played, so people forget this because Joel actually played one season before Ben played and the team got serious and won 50 games and they had Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and uh, J.J. Redick and, and they were like a normal good NBA team. The year before that, Joel played in just about 30 games that season. And... Joel, the second best player on that team was Robert Covington. It was like TJ McConnell, Robert Covington, an incredibly undeveloped uh, Jeremy Grant, uh, Dar a young Dario Saric. The team was not good at all. And during that season, when Joel, Joel Embiid played, they were 13 and 18. With uh, Cade Cunningham playing for the Pistons, they are currently 25 and 26 which is significantly, I'm sorry, 25 and 66, I apologize, which is obviously significantly worse. And it gets us to this conversation that we've been talking about with the Pistons and their lack of developed talent, but also the young players on the team, one, not really fitting together, one, none of them standing above the rest, and three, everything being built around Cade and this idea that Cade could be you know, a superstar-level player. And the problem that I have with all these arguments, whether it's about Cade or other young players, is that when you're a superstar-level player, when you're 22 years old, context matters for sure. In terms of maximizing a player in terms of getting the most out of a guy, context is important. I'm not, like, if you're on a dog shit team, you're going to look worse, obviously. That's the case for almost anyone. But when you are a true superstar, when you are a top, potential top 10, top 15 player in the NBA, you create that context. You are the context. You can rise above your team being bad, like Joel Embiid did when he was a rookie. You can rise above having a lack of poor spacing around you and you can win some games. And the fact is now we're in year three with Cade. We're in year five of their rebuild, I guess four or five of their rebuild. 
And everyone's trying to figure out like what what would how do you fix this problem? And I asked Stream last night, what would be the first thing that you would do in order to fix this problem? And multiple people said they would tank. And I was like, so you would just do nothing? Because <laughs> you're already tanking. You're already tanking. Yeah, it's already like, happening. Yep. You're already tanking. So what would you do to fix this situation, I guess, is is my question. Uh, I'd trade Kate Cunningham. <laughs> there um, we go. For starters, uh, just to, to begin with. For um, who and for what? For well, for whoever is um, buying the the cult propaganda that uh, uh, Jeff, whoever's taking advice from Jeff Goodman, how about that? Like like that. Jeff Goodman said last night that he felt bad for Cade. Do you want to know something? Uh, this is an interesting stat I just pulled up. the um, The difference between the VORP for Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes. Okay. Right now is five tenths. It's five tenths of, of a VORP. Okay. Your VORP. The, different, the VORP. The difference between five tenths of Killian to the up above that is Derek White, Devin Booker, <laughs> guys of that caliber. So you're so, saying the gap between Kane Cunningham and Killian Hayes is the same gap as Killian Hayes and, and Devin Booker. And I want to be clear. Killian <laughs> Hayes is terrible. I, I, I want to be clear about that. I thought Vorp is like, this is why Vorp is a rate stat. It's not good. There are two guys on the team. Did you know this? Two guys on the Pistons who have played uh, more than a hundred minutes right now with a negative Vorp. Do you want to guess who the two guys are? More than a hundred minutes? More um, than a hundred minutes. Yeah. All right. Well, Cade's obviously one of them. Yeah. I'm going to assume the other one isn't Killian because you're talking about Killian. The other is yeah. James Wiseman. No, James Wilson has 99 minutes. <laughs> it's it's Beef Stew who uh who's it seems to be kind of with this. They they have um Sasser, Duran, Ivy, Asar. All of these guys are positive in Vorp. Um, all of these guys have shown encouraging signs of a young core that can actually play together. Alec Burks is actually a um like a veteran who kind of makes sense. The, what, what is killing the team is one Troy Weaver um running one of the most insane GM jobs I've seen since David Kahn. Like this, it really is approaching Johnny Flynn, Ricky Rubio, like over Steph Curry, like levels Like, like obviously the damage of that is like way, more, way worse. Like you don't draft one of the 12 best players of all time. Sure. Um, like, like, but like, this is, like, well, he did. Troy like, Weaver did pass on Tyrese Maxey three times. So he did pass. On there, one we there we go. There we go. There we go. That adds up, you know, if you think about it. Like, yes. that loses up to the thing. But, like, Jalen Duran is probably the best young player on this team. That's who I would say is the the most promising. Maybe either him or Asar, I would say, is the most promising young player. And you're regularly playing Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman and all of these other guys who play the same position as him. I understand he was hurt. Like I, I get. I was gonna say, in fairness, that. Wiseman's only gotten on the court due to injuries, but you should have never traded for Wiseman in the first place, as yeah. everyone said, including us on our live stream when we were having, you know, a conniption over it. Yeah, I like. Uh, I mean, I kind of like Sadiq Bay. People who don't even like Sadiq Bay are like, "What are you doing?" I don't <laughs> like Sadiq Bay. I think he's yeah. kind of mid, and I'm like, yeah. "You shouldn't have traded him for James Wiseman, obviously." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes. I, I guess my thing is like you you've got to cut bait on Cade Cunningham. That actually probably would be kind to Cade because I think it's just 
I, it's not. It's I don't. I don't see any path for this happening for him in in Detroit. Like you know what I'm saying. Like at a certain point, it, this is becoming the Mac Jones thing with the Patriots. You know what I'm saying. Like, like where you know his ceiling is not what you thought it was going to be, but it's getting exponentially worse because of you know multiple years in this bad situation. Um, First off, disrespectful to Mac Jones. He won a national championship. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Mac Jones better than Cade Cunningham? Question mark. Um, there is no to... chance they trade Cade. That is true. Just to be that's clear. true. No, that there's is no true. chance. But this is why but, this is going to continue but, to be bad? But next off season, you have a decision to make. And if they go to Cade and they say we want to, they say we want you to prove that you're a max level player. Do you think Cade's agent is going to be excited about that? No. Do you think Cade I... is going to be excited about that? No. And um, even if it's fair, even if it's fair to say, hey, we need to see a full year of you producing at a level that is not analytically one of the worst we've seen in terms of he's the worst offensive engine in the NBA other than Jordan Poole right now. Like, yeah. it's those two are the two worst offensive engines. And by the way, they just lost to Jordan Poole's team last night. Yeah. And the thing that I, I come out of all of this thinking is like, they're not going to trade Cade. If I were running the team, I would seriously consider it only due to the fact that um, there's really no, I I don't believe in Cade having any sort of superstar upside. I never have. That's always been my thing. But more importantly, I think that there could potentially be a real market for him before teams kind of catch on to the fact that he's not the player that people thought he was going to be coming out. Having said that, in an improved context, do I think that eventually he can get to the point where he can contribute to a winning team? Sure, maybe. Maybe if, if the shot comes around and uh, some things work out, he still has good feel, he's still a good passer, whatever, blah, blah, blah. As we talked about before, the expectations and the context need to be changed. I've talked a little bit about Jaden Ivey. I know that I'm higher on Jaden Ivey than you are. I just like kind of what I've seen from him as like an athletic De'Aaron Fox type guard. Per 36 this year, he's averaging 19, 5, and 4 on 62% true shooting. And in a small sample, very small sample, when Cade is not on the court, 117 minutes. Per 75, he's averaging 22 points, 6 assists on 65% true shooting. And the team's net rating is a 121.9, which would be one of the best in the NBA. Now, the defense is still a disaster. They're only a plus 5 on the net rating in those that small sample of minutes. But my point on this whole thing here is that between Asar, Duran, Cade, and Ivy, I think that there is some way to kind of fix this or turn it around. And it's probably going to obviously involve firing Troy Weaver, who has absolutely no idea what he's doing. But I'm not following the draft next year. Right now, like, I just don't really care. I I said this. I, I, I also looked it up. I, I looked at the mock draft for it, and the guy that plays for the G League Ignite, uh, Ron something, I can't even remember his name. DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, yeah. uh, 5'7 King, Ron DeSantis, joining yeah, he, the NBA finally. He hoops in boots. He's got sugar, man. <laughs> Not eating that. He's diet ready. He's ready for the NBA diet, so... He's he, he's ready to go. Uh, Magic are trying to trade up to one to get him. Um, <laughs> they want to pair him with Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, the, du- the duo that brings the NBA back to middle America. 
Yeah, they're uh, gonna uh, they're, they're they're gonna be banning books in the pick and roll. It's gonna be incredible. Let's go. Ron Holland is his name. I just looked yeah. it up. Uh, so Ron Holland, I clicked on his page, and he was one of his comps on this mock draft I was reading was Sean Marion. And don't get me wrong, Sean Marion had a great career, won a championship, was a very key player on multiple good playoff teams. Made like three all-star teams, I think, multiple all-defensive teams. This is not Matrix slander. But if I have the first pick in the draft, that I said I said this, that, that's like a seventh pick in the draft ass comp. <laughs> like, yeah. If I if I get Sean Marion with the third pick, I'm fucking th- like the upside is Sean Marion with the third, fourth, fifth, whatever. I'm fucking thrilled. The number one overall pick. I wasn't Sean Marion in like a really bad draft though. If I remember correctly, someone is saying he, he would have gone first in his draft. Uh, if he did a redraft. Yeah. I feel like um, he was in a bad draft. But anyway, what it makes me what it makes me think about is the uh, it makes me think about the um, the, the Kenyon Martin draft. You know what I'm saying? Like that I, I was the worst of all time. But yes, yeah, yes. But Let, regardless, yeah. his upside comp was Sean Marion, and that's not what the Pistons need. The Pistons need a potential offensive engine because right now, Cade's on an offensive engine. Ivy might have potential to be like a De'Aaron Fox kind of flawed initiator, but is talented enough that you can make a system work around him. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, ninety-nine. Uh, I, I I think Manu would have gone first in that draft in a redraft. By the way, Manu was also in that. Yeah, I forgot. But to be yeah. fair, Manu was never con- in consideration yeah. because There's of the a, weird international laws. Th- there was a pretty solid amount of all stars and like, like not great guys, but there was yeah Elton Brand, Steve Francis, Baron Davis, Wally Serbiak, R- yeah. Rip Hamilton, Ron Artest, Kirilenko. Like those are all like, you know, th- there's no star star, but those are all really good. Very players. quality. Sure. Yes. Yeah. We're seeing now, and obviously Kate Cunningham's yeah. way worse than Sean Marion was though. If you don't hit on the number one pick in the draft and get a superstar player, it can fuck your franchise up. That's my point here is that, the next draft might not have that guy. And it feels like while they have a bunch of talent, nothing really fits. And I have predicted that I think they're going to make a panic trade sometime in the next two months, maybe just before the deadline. I don't know. I think they're going to make a panic trade and they're going to trade away Jaden Ivey, who has kind of fallen out of favor a little bit with like Joe Harris and James Wiseman salary. And the two guys I think that they could potentially target are Zach Levine and Pascal Siakam. And... I think that that would be a grave mistake because you're just doubling down on a roster of really talented players that just don't fit together, no true superstar, just getting an all-star player in there to win 26 games maybe and fuck up your draft pick in the process doesn't make any sense to me. I think the only thing they could do is try to stay the course, hope that there is a guy in the next draft or they can, I don't know, maybe get lucky and trade the pick along with I don't even think they, oh, they can they can trade the pick. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but the pick that they traded for Isaiah Stewart, because they didn't have the Isaiah Stewart pick. The pick they traded it like fucked up trading all of their future picks mm-hmm. until like someone can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong here. I think it's 2026. 2025, 2026. So like lottery protected in perpetuity, basically, or something. Yeah, and Tom, the Pistons fan uh, who follows the podcast, pointed this out that they basically aren't going to get out of the lottery, so they'll that pick will just never convey. 
but yeah. they traded it for uh, and it's 2027 2027 20, they traded yeah. it on the 2020 draft night and protected yeah. it until 2027 and that trade might actually end up saving them in the long term because yes. they can't trade any future picks unless they remove the protections which would be a disaster so my my whole thing on this is like they they kind of saved themselves with one man move in order to protect themselves from fucking up their future even further yeah. down the road. I, I just think they've got, I think they've got to get rid of it. Honestly, I don't think the panic trade, the, the, the bad thing about the panic trade would be that you're locking yourself into Cade. But I think if you get a guy who has the, um, I guess, aura, the, the je ne sais quoi to push Cade off the ball, I think that actually could make the team a lot better. Yes. Like probably like and for um, Kane's development too. Yes. So, so he's just so, overtasked right now. Like I think if you're trading Jaden I I'm I'm a little skeptical about Jaden Ivy's future as like a all-star caliber player. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think he might top out at like a good starter. Um, in my estimation. So if if you're someone who feels like the way I do about that and you're trading Jaden Ivy for that. The thing that would fuck you up there, though, is yeah, again, your picks. You know what I'm saying? And you're not. I I think the other thing that they're kind of fucked on here is that like, there's not really a cycle of like good and bad teams anymore. Like everyone's just kind of getting better, and they're one of the only teams that's like really fucked up. How do you break through that? You need someone to sell at the right time, the perfect opportunity. And like Pascal Siakam's a really good player. Adding yeah. another non-shooter to that rotation does. Yeah. I, I would rather trade for Zach Levine, and I'm yeah. not even like I would not do that if I were the Pistons. To be clear, I, but I would rather do that because Siakam is just adding another good player, talented that just mm-hmm. fucks up your spacing even more. You're you're starting five of like Ivy, Kate. Oh, well, they would trade Ivy in that situation, but let's say like Cade, Alec Burks, or whoever starting Marcus Sasser, whoever, and then Asar, Siakam, Duran, like. Your space is still broken. Like you're not fixing anything with that. No, no, no. Marcus Sasser shooting seven times a game. Let's fucking go. We're we're, we're riding it, baby. By the way, uh, you you gave you gave uh, Jade Nivey's uh, per thirty six stats. Um, I don't know. Do you do you know Marcus Sasser's off the top of your head? No. Yeah, uh, it's uh, you Marcus know. Marcus Sasser has played like eighty minutes in the NBA. I like Marcus Sasser. Three hundred and eight. He's played three hundred eight okay. minutes in the awesome. NBA. On a uh, 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 almost fifty percent three point uh, rate, and he's shooting thirty, almost thirty seven percent from three. I'm he's just good. I like I like Marcus Sasser. He's just, he's, he's the probably best a six man. Your best young guard on the Pistons. Jaden Ivey is two years younger than him. Best young guard on the Pistons. I, right. I would I would I would roll with Marcus Sasser before I rolled with. Jaden right. Ivey. I'm just gonna say Let, that. that will be our long term bet. You have your Hawks, and I have my Wolves. Yes. You have your Sasser. I have my Ivy. That's okay, the long term better. Neither go. of us are putting money on Cade because we just don't believe <laughs> yeah, that. But, yeah, no, but we are willing to put money on the other guys. So that's yeah. that's how I feel about it. So um, let's get into our contender versus pretender draft because yeah. there's been some really interesting kind of things so far. Like I said, we're a quarter away through the season. We're getting an idea of which team could be a contender and which team could be a pretender. I, I want to let you go first because okay. I think I, I 
I want to know who you think is like the top contender in the NBA right now. And what we're going to talk about when we talk about uh, this is we're going to do, you do a contender pick, I do a contender pick, then you do a pretender pick, I do a pretender pick. Back to contenders. So we're going to do the contender versus pretender draft. So essentially, we'll talk about teams that we think are legit and then teams that we think are a bit fugazi and are not actually, and why they are not actually contenders, even if people think that they could potentially be. So are you ready for this? Yeah. I'm about to blow your mind. Your number one contender. My number one contender in the NBA. I'm picking the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> after you, after we had that long argument. <laughs> Let's go. The, the Minnesota Timberwolves, baby. Um, Will, you tried to tell me, did I not say we had our, we did our Patreon podcast overreactions to the first week of the season. And I said, I'm fine. The Wolves are talented. They're deep. They'll figure it out. And what have they done? They've turned around and figured it out. So why why do you think they're the number one contender right now? I just think they are... Um, I'm, I'm a little alarmed by um, Denver's road record. I'm going to be honest about that. It's early. Um, I wanted to pick Denver here. Um, honestly, Denver it probably is the correct pick. It was down to like Denver or Minnesota for me. And I think I, I ended up going with it just feels like remember when the, the the Warriors just were bad on the road and everyone was like, Well, it's fine. You know, it's fine, you know, like that's we're ten there's ten they've played ten games on the road and they're four and six. That's that's weird for a team that's as good as Denver. Yes. They're they're eight no at home. They haven't lost we, have not, yet. we have not hit Yoke Christmas yet. Yoke Mitch or whatever yeah. it's called. That's in yeah. December December 15th. I could get I could it's it's early. Just say. Yeah. And they haven't had Jamal. Yeah. Um the other thing that I think is huge for the Minnesota Timberwolves um is they still have a cat trade yet to make. Um and they're already the top team in the West before they've traded cat. So once cat is traded um addition by subtraction. We'll Yes, addition by subtraction. They're about to win. They're about to uh, turn into just a juggernaut of a Western Conference team. Rudy um, is probably the defensive player of the year, which it really hurts my heart to say because I really hate uh, all the Rudy. Rudy is the best defender in the NBA, all the Kevin O'Connor-like drivel about that. But what, what can I say? He's been really good this year. Like, he's been really good this year. He's so. been really good, and they've actually had bad shooting luck when he's on the court. Like yeah. that, that I they've I think they've technically had a better defensive rating when he's been on the bench. But if you equalize that with the shooting luck that teams yeah. have had, they've they've actually their their defense could get even better than it currently is. Is what I'm trying to say here because currently they are sitting at the I believe they have the number one. I oh, know they have the number they have the number three defense in the NBA. Do you know who has the number one defense in the NBA? The number one defense in the NBA. Don't click on it. Okay. Um, just I was in the Knicks. Here. Take a is guess. It, is it the not the Knicks. The Knicks are like seventh or eighth. Oh, really? Yeah. I bet. I bet Houston's up there. Houston um, is currently number one in defense. That's fair. that's insane. I thought they would be like nine. Cleaning <laughs> the glass has them at number one. I mean, look, did they get yeah. some shooting luck? Yes. We yeah. talked about the shooting luck on uh, some of our stat episode that we did. Uh, they've also got the Ime Adoka fascism 
yep. in, it, already installed with yep. this team. And uh, number two is Orlando. Number three is Minnesota. I think Minnesota, when, when McDaniels gets healthy and yep. some of the shooting stuff with, with Gobert normalizes when he's in the court, has potential to be a the best defense in the NBA. Which, look, if you have the best defense in the NBA, even if when we get to the playoffs, some of those things have proven to be a problem with Rudy teams in the past, their perimeter defense is a lot better than those Jazz teams. Those Jazz teams were always built around Rudy's offensive weaknesses. They always had to have Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Bojan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, like guys that could handle the ball, shoot the ball, create. And now they are building a team of two-way players around Rudy. And it's proving to be really successful. And Anthony Edwards, if if this shooting thing from Anthony Edwards is real, then he's just like potential top five player in the NBA. Now, look, I think it's going to regress a little bit. Do you know what he's shooting on long twos to start the season? Um, I'm going to guess it's got to be like, what, 51 or something like 55% that? 55% on long Jesus twos. Jesus Christ. And this is a guy that shot in the 30s last year. So even if that regresses a little bit, I think it will still be somewhere in the 40s. And that's a still a with the level that he can score and defend on the ball on the other end. That's a really, really, really good player. Like that's like a top 15, 20 player in the NBA. And they've got, they certainly have the talent. They have the depth. I, I'm not there yet, but if we're in February and they still are one of the top seeds and have one of the best net ratings and the defense is number one and Ant shooting hasn't regressed to the point where he's like a high 30s mid-range shooter and he's more on those long twos, he's shooting in the in the 40s or 50s, then I'm willing to buy them as a legit championship contender. I always like them. I think I had them as my two or my three seed in our standings before the season, and I always like them as a regular season team more than I like them as a, a playoff team. But we saw Ant last year in the playoffs, and it's part of the reason why, even though I love LaMelo and Maxi and Halliburton and all those guys, I've seen Ant do it in a playoff series, even if it was only five games. I've seen him average over 30 points a game very efficiently. <laughs> Are we sure the Wolves weren't the second best team in the West last year? House. 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 Cal, turn the TikTok camera on. <laughs> Are we sure? Cal, I'm going to the game with COVID tonight, Cal. <laughs> Nobody's stopping me. I'm going to see Jokic. Oh, he's not on the bench. All right, I'm still going to do a super spreader event. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, house. It's only been five. It's only been five days. I don't care. It's five days. CDC regulations, house. Over, under. Fuck Cousin Dr. Sal. Fauci. <laughs> Cousin Sal, over, under on contamination. I, this is in the Vegas zone. I'm putting it at four and a half. By the way, we have a new podcast with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> a conspiracy theory podcast. It's called Feral Fauci. What is the real story behind Anthony Fauci? Why wouldn't he come on the watch with our good guys, Andy and Chris? Seems nasty. God. Oh, I love that he was just tweeting it. Uh, the day he releases a podcast telling a million people he has COVID, he's yeah. like, "I'm going to the Clippers game tonight." By the way, hope you hope you stand within ten feet of me. I replied to Bill. Um, I replied to Bill like, "Bill, don't you have COVID, man?" And I, Bill, had some fucking shooters in his comment section, like, "Oh, he got it last Tuesday. It's Monday right now." And I'm like. 
yeah, man. <laughs> like, but still, <laughs> I don't think you should do that. You're a millionaire. I think you yeah. can err on the side of caution. Get DoorDash, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Or, how about this? How about just, uh, you could also just fucking buy a, a suite or something like that and mask up. Like, we, we, we could fucking distance from people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but yeah, that was uh, an incredible. Uh, yeah. So I just the house the, the herd immunity piece of this. <laughs> now, the other thing, the, now the other thing about this is I do think that the West, there is a lot of uh, rock, paper, scissors in the West. And I also think it's entirely possible that the Wolves catch a bad matchup and lose in the first round. <laughs> well, but, let's think about what would be a bad matchup for them. Because um, the Wolves, if Andrew, or sorry, the Warriors, if Andrew Wiggins um, stops being dead, like yeah, maybe. I mean, having Steph Curry versus a Rudy Gobert team, yeah, it, that and, that's something. I think honestly, and I think, I the, think Kings, the Warriors need to make a midseason trade to make that happen, though. Yeah, yeah. I honestly think the Kings are uh, back. Yeah. The Adelson family is going to buy the Mavericks? Hold up. They're in the process of buying a significant stake in the Dallas Mavericks. I'm saving this one for the pay, for the, the, for the episode. <laughs> check, check this. Watch this space. We'll be back. We'll R- be back. R.I.P. to the big homie, Sheldon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Sign up for the Patreon. Anyway. <laughs> All right. uh, okay, so if you're going to take the Wolves with your number one pick, mm-hmm. you're a bastard for doing this to me. Yeah, I, know. I wanted I wanted <laughs> to make you do it. Yeah, I'll take the Celtics. Um, yeah. Okay, so are, first off, are you worried about the Porzingis injury? Because he's out for, what, a week? I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm always worried about, like, lingering shit. I, I don't care about the regular. I think the Celtics are going to be fine in the regular season, to be totally honest. Like everyone's, I don't know. It's very weird where it's like now that all the Celtics fans think the sky is falling. I'm like, it's fine. It's the exact same as it was before the year. Like this is, everyone yelled at me for being like a bastard doomer before the year. And I'm like, well, it's just a lot to put on Porzingis. And now Porzingis is hurt. It's like, wow, we looked like shit those last two games. Yeah. It was Drew Holiday. And this is what happens when your team is like top heavy. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. So I think it's fine. I still think the Celtics are going to win somewhere between 56 and 62 games, and they will probably be a top seed in the East, and something demonic will happen in the postseason that will destroy them. Um, I think they will probably make the finals if Porzingis is healthy, and if not, they're probably going to lose. So so I I tend to agree with you kind of across the board there. They're currently 13-4. and four. They have a net rating of plus – 9.1 they have the fourth best defense and the ninth best offense that was kind of surprising that their offense is uh ninth right now but the thing i will say about the celtics is that you know you look at those like groupings of like players and in the net rating thing and it's like you can put three players in you can put four players in you can put five players in yeah if you do like three like Eight of the ten are Celtics combinations. Like yeah. their combinations of players, when their guys are all healthy, they're running teams off the court. Now, some of that is a little bit of inflation from playing bad teams, but that's mm-hmm. usually what kind of historically dominant teams do. They easily yeah. take care of the bad teams, and they, you know, they, they beat the good teams. Like the Celtics have done so far this year, they've split with the Sixers. 
They just beat Milwaukee. Um, and this team, they, they maybe got over their demons with the Heat. They did beat them in one game, we'll see, as we get further into the season. But right now, the Celtics have the number one net rating. I picked them to go to the conference finals before the year, but I'm not feeling great about my comp- my team I had winning the conference. So I think that they have to be considered, if not the number one contender, the number two contender right now in the NBA. And uh, yeah, I mean, it pains me to say it, but they're really, really good. And they have pr- the best top six in the NBA. We'll see how things go with Porzingis. I think that he's incredibly important to this team now. But either way, I, I think I said they were going to win close to 60 games during the regular season. So that one seed could be a huge advantage as long as the Orlando Magic or the Miami Heat don't get the games. <laughs> yeah. Because those are the two teams that give Boston the most problems is Miami with the rat ball and Spo and the shooting variants and the Magic who are just fucking massive at every position and try and tend to give the Celtics a lot of trouble like they did in the game the other day during the in-season tournament game. They have big rat mode players. Mo, Mo Wagner, like unironically is like a, a, a rat mode, like, like guy, you know, he's big and physical. He's not good. He's not like particularly good, but he looks like a fucking all-star in that Celtics game because he's game. big and gets into you know, gets into guys. Jimmy Butler does that. Like there's, there's, there's a, there's an arch, there's an archetype there. Andrew Wiggins was rat moding his way to one of his greatest series of all time. Like this, this is, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, again, why I can't really take the bucks that seriously as a, you know, a Celtics threat because they just don't have that. Like the even when now. Chris Middleton is health, even when Chris Middleton is healthy, they don't have that. And I just, I think they're going to have to play the Celtics at some point, And I just don't think that they're going to have it. Even the, even the Sixers, when they have like Batum and like some of these, they, and, and Robert Covington, by the way, who had a really good game both, um, against the Celtics when he was there for, for that other one. Like he's a, like kind of a big guy who takes up a lot of space. Those are, those are the teams that give the Celtics trouble. Um, those are the teams I'm looking out for the heat. I know you don't want to say the Sixers, so I'll say it for you. I think the Sixers, have the potential to well, give them trouble. Like, someone asked in the comments, I thought that the Sixers had the number one net rating. And that actually was true last night on Cleaning the Glass. But I guess the Boston Media Mafia got to them because today it corrected. <laughs> and the Celtics yeah. are one with a 9.1 point differential. The Sixers are two with an 8.6 point differential. Which, by the way, people might be saying that, the, and we'll get into the Sixers at some point during this, People might be saying that it is Fugazi. Their best net rating before this year, they have an 8.6 net rating right now. Their best net rating during the Joel Embiid era was a 5.2. So this is the team's net rating, at least so far, to start the season has been better than previous years combined. So having said all this... I've been saying it all year. The Sixers are a legitimate threat. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But I want to get into the pretenders. Okay. Now, so do you want to go first with the pretenders because you went first with the contenders? Yes. Okay. I'd love to. I would so love who to. is your pretender, number one pretender this year? Team that mo- people might think have a chance to win the championship or multiple playoff series that you're just not buying at all. My number one pretender in the NBA is the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> 
Whoa, okay. I was okay. I'm surprised by that because I had them on my contenders list. Okay. Well, by I, the way, I, we, we do need to talk about some big news coming out of Oklahoma City. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Shea is number two on uh, basketball reference MVP tracker. Mm-hmm. Could it be that's what and no, everyone keeps talking about it? Everyone, I yeah, I, I don't know what other Oklahoma City ball handling news you want to be paying attention to today. So other than other than Shea Alexander's um, thing, <laughs> I so here's 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 why I say this. Okay. I'm not saying Oklahoma City isn't good. I actually think Oklahoma City is probably going to finish with a top three seed in the West, um, the way things are looking right now. Uh, I think Chet is very legit. I think SGA is very legit. I don't. What I don't think is legit is being a first-time playoff team this time. I just do not like. Th- this is. I'm. I'm just boomering right now. This is me. This is me. Uh, ball don't stop. Um, shooting from the hip right here. I just do. I. I do not. I don't take the Oklahoma City Thunder serious as like a serious threat to win the Western conference. Um, because I, I simply, you've got to get your reps in, man. Like, I, I think that, um, there are a lot of teams that are pretty battle hardened in the West. Um, I think they're very talented. I think there's a lot of problems with this team that are going to get exposed in a 16 game series. I don't think you can have Lou Dort on your team, um, in a 16 game series. I don't think you can have Chet Holmgren is your only big when teams are going at it. Sorry, change the rule. sixteen game. Uh, when you got to win sixteen games, sixteen game player. Um, I actually am petitioning the league office to change it to sixteen game series. We're just like we, a we month long series. We would have never lost to the Heat. I would love that. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. You would have never lost we, the Heat. We, we might have lost games. to the Bucks a bunch of times, but God damn it, if we wouldn't have lost to the Heat. So fair enough. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I just don't think. I, I think people are getting way ahead out of their skis and they look really good. And look, look, Chet is legit. They just don't, especially without a trade um, in between now and then, I just do not think they have the personnel um, to stand up under scouting scrutiny um, to do what needs to be done when the pace slows down. And you like, I, I just don't think they have enough shooting quite frankly to, um, you know, do what you need to do in the modern NBA playoffs to win a series. So, um, so the thing about that is like, I do agree with you. I think they can, it's up to them is my thing with the thunder. Mm -hmm. Do you want to keep being babies and pretending that Shay isn't an MVP candidate? And also that Chet, Chet Holmgren isn't, one of the best rookies we've seen in the last 20 years, a potential all-star as a rookie. In a Western Conference that is, like like I said, it's deep, but I don't think it's like there's an unbeatable team. I think that they need to fucking step up and make a trade at the deadline to get two more legit rotation players or one more legit rotation player. Because when you get down to the playoffs, it's going to come down to, like, who has the best eight guys and the thunder have a ton of draft capital. They have tradable salaries. They can do it this year if they want to, but Sam Presti needs to speed the time up a little bit. The timeline up a little bit. Cause Shea Gilders Alexander is probably not going to be with the thunder until he's 34. And I think that capitalizing on this year, this is his prime. And honestly, like I, I would be, I would be really disheartened if I were a thunder fan and they were treating it like it was the, 16-17 Sixers instead of the 17-18 Sixers who won 50 games 
and we're top seed in the conference. Make aggressive moves. Make sure Chet's healthy, of course. Yes, that's important. Make sure that all your guys are healthy by the deadline and make a move that puts you in that conversation. Because, look, Isaiah Joe shot like shit the other day for them, but I think he could be a bench player for them in the playoffs. Cason Wallace, I think, can still play in the playoffs. It's not that I don't believe that playoff experience is real, as people are saying in the comments. I think it's overrated, is all I'll say. I think it is absolutely real that you have to get your reps in and you have to get, like, there's basically never been a team that's been young enough and come out of nowhere. The Warriors lost the year before to the Spurs in that really competitive series. Maybe that's this year for them. But on the off chance that Jokic isn't 100% or there just isn't really a second team Minnesota gets exposed in the playoffs, I think you need to do you have need to put everything in place and stop playing fucking meme players. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and like like stop prioritizing Jang's development or Davis Bertans playing in your rotation like he did during the other day and get some real fucking players to end end that rotation so that you can compete in the playoffs. We've seen what that does. Look what happened to the Grizzlies. You got, you were too cute, like playing your, your fun little guys and being like, Ooh, Zaire, like that's going to be our guy. Like, and you just didn't now look, I'm not going to hold it against them. Not trading with, uh, uh, Masai, like you know, he wasn't being realistic, but there were other guys they could have gotten. So, like, some imagine they had offered four first round picks for OG Ananobi and they actually did that trade. The Grizzlies wouldn't have their pick, and we have no idea. This was before, this was before all the jaw stuff got crazy, but yeah. like the Raptors could have four first round picks from the Grizzlies right now. <laughs> It would be very funny because OG would have finally gotten what he wanted. Like he would be the the the, the like the, the, the best the guy, guy on a fifteen yeah. win team. Yeah, yeah. He would have he would have Kevin had the ball Bain the running the show. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I just I, I guess my thing is like yeah, they're just not going to have enough guys. Um, and like I I just don't think OKC has like enough like quality guys. Like you can't bet you can't have bad Jalen Williams like as your backup big you like in a playoff series like realistically honestly that's a problem I'm concerned about with the Celtics yeah you, like is that I don't know if Luke Cornett if you want Luke Cornett playing in playoff minutes for you you know like so just that's something that is you know I just don't think I think the Oklahoma City I think they're a great story I think they're gonna be a really fun team I think they I think there's a pretty good chance they could really put a scare on or even beat some of these more legit teams, some of these teams that I might list as contenders later on, but I don't think there's any chance of them winning the West. I don't think they're doing that. Like I, I just, three playoff series is too much too soon. Yeah. And especially with the roster they did, maybe like you said, maybe if they trade for somebody realistic, but I just don't think that's just not how teams operate. Like Sam Presti has the most job security of any, anyone in the NBA. Maybe Pat Riley has more, but like, Probably not. He's probably him. Like yeah, so. apparently, there's nothing he can do to lose his job. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um. So yeah, I. I he, if he's not going to do it now, if he's not going to make the trade now to kind of change things around, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So. so, I think that's fair. I, I think that they should be more aggressive at the deadline and make real trades, but we'll see. Um. Maybe he'll prove to be right in the long term here. Yeah. So I, I think I think the bigger problem is that the trade they were going to make is suddenly not viable. Let's just say that. So that's fair. 
Yeah. Yeah. We had to cancel a podcast over this. Um, so, uh, back to your contender list because you are next. I just drafted my pretender. Oh, wait, no, I didn't draft my pretender. Yeah, I was going to say, no, you know, I thought, like, wait, did I stroke out for a second? What happened? <laughs> I have. I have a pretender here that maybe people don't consider them a real, like I, we already talked about the Lakers, so I don't want to take them. The other team in LA Clippers, that performance last night after they were finally getting kind of their footing and it was like, all right, they beat some bad teams. They played Dallas the other night and um, they ended up beating Dallas uh, even though I'm not super impressed by Dallas in general, they're still a good team, and the Clippers handled them. They finally got a good win under their belt. They competed with Denver in Denver a few weeks ago, and I just I have never come away from a game last night. They lost to the Reggie Jackson, DeAndre Jordan-led Denver Nuggets. No Jokic. No Jamal Murray, no Aaron Gordon. The best player on the court for the Nuggets was Michael Porter Jr. And Reggie Jackson had the revenge game, uh, one of the greatest revenge games of all time against the Clippers. And so did DeAndre Jordan, who is a corpse right now. 30-something for Reggie Jackson, almost perfect shooting from the field. Uh, Crazy, terrible defensive effort from the Clippers. And more importantly, since they traded for Harden, their offense has been not good. Harden never, ever gets to the rim. I said this when I saw the shooting numbers uh, like a week ago on the podcast. When the shooting numbers regress, he's going to look even more washed than he is. And beyond all of that, just with like the Harden fit not really working and the on-offs being way better when it's just Paul George and Kawhi Leonard as opposed to the minutes that they played with James Harden, Beyond all of this is the fact that Kawhi just doesn't look like Kawhi anymore. And I know he started last year slow, but he had another knee injury in the playoffs. Like it's starting to add up now. And last night he just had no lift. He His shot is just like completely not there right now. And this whole idea of this team, and maybe that's why they traded for Harden is what I'm getting at here is that maybe they knew that Kawhi took a step back and then it was going to have to be a collective effort with Paul George, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard. And they lost the worst team that anyone could roll out there imaginable last night with a bunch of young guys and a wash Justin Holiday and a wash DeAndre Jordan and a wash Reggie Jackson. And they got fucking embarrassed last night, dude. It was, it was pathetic. Like I, Harden looks so bad on defense, and, that, and their defense has been a strong suit since he's got there. Harden looks so bad on defense. He can't hit a shot from the field. Kawhi looks washed. Paul George is the best player on that team. And as we discussed, the West is too deep for them to lose games like that. Like, they're 7-10 and 10 now. Like, that's going to come back to bite them. And, like, just when I felt like they were getting on track, I feel like the, I feel more confident that they'll miss the playoffs than I do with the Lakers at this point. Yeah, I mean, just history. They're 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 healthy. Did we even mention that like they've been pretty healthy this year? That's pretty fucked up. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like if you're if you're like this and you're healthy, I I, I think I think they're Jover too. 
yeah. I, that's probably a better pick than my Thunder pick, to be honest. Like, because I, I didn't honestly, I didn't even. consider They're out of my mind. Yeah, they're exactly. I was kind of like out of my. I, I kind of forgot they exist. I just like all Clippers. They're just so depressing, man. Like, at least the Pistons have like some fun young players. Like that, I. They've got like a. The Clippers just have like the feeling of like a. Um, like like the couple who keeps like posting like Instagram pictures pictures together, but they're like their their faces their faces are getting like more and more strained. And every time you're at a party with one of them together, they're like just drunk screaming on the on the roof, and everyone's like freaked out and going downstairs. That's it, it, and they've been like that for like four years, but yeah. they're still together. Like that's yeah, very Bill Simmons analogy for me, but I think it holds up. So it is true. No, I, yeah. I do agree. They, yeah. they are honestly. First off, I've talked a little bit about Daryl Morey now being 3-0 and in trades involving James Harden. <laughs> Hasn't lost the James Harden trade yet. Yeah. If Daryl Morey is willing to trade you, it's it's reaching Celtics level of if Daryl Morey is willing to actually do a trade with you, even if he was forced a little bit by the owners. Mm-hmm. If Daryl Morey is, does a trade with you, they give up an unprotected pick in that trade. Like, that pick is going to have so much value. And then if you even if you even consider beyond that, like Batum has been better for the Sixers than Harden has been for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And he was just like salary matching. Like, I mean, obviously getting off the PJ Tucker contract. And they got an unprotected swap from the Clippers in 27. And 29? Oh no, they yeah. didn't they didn't well, they sent out an unprotected swap to OKC, who sent us a fake first. But still, we got a 29 swap and we have their 28 first round pick, which both could have crazy value in a few years. That that trade is just they can't they can't defend anyone. Even though their defensive numbers might have looked good, they really they're not that good of a defensive team. Their offense is still a mess. It's just it, it is it is uh it feels like a huge disaster. And uh yeah, I mean if they had listened to Daryl Morey when Daryl Morey said if you're not willing to trade us Terrence Mann, you should just trade Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They might be better off right now if they had just, yeah. Yeah. And just traded those two and just been like, fuck it, it didn't work out. So, so yeah. So, by the way, just a reminder here, James Harden's a free agent after the season, and he can't extend during the season, and he's going to want to max next offseason. <laughs> and he's going to be 35 years old next year. Great job. So, oh, that's man. a disaster. So. Bad. I love that Daryl didn't want to do the trade. Daryl didn't want to do the trade that is now turning out to be like a fucking fleecing. Yeah, Daryl, like, oh god, it's it's so funny that Daryl basically got picked up like a stray cat by the scruff of his neck and was like, "Do it." (laughs) Uh, Awesome. So back to you. Yeah. For the contenders, draft your next contender. Um. Okay, we haven't done Denver yet, so I'll do Denver, and I'll quickly uh, walk back up. Yeah, boring pick, but I'll I'll walk back all the stuff I said. Um, I am I am genuinely alarmed. I mean, I know Jamal Murray's hurt. Um, I know there's like other stuff going on. Um, Jamal Murray being hurt is not an excuse for being alarmed about Denver. By the way, that's the reason that they haven't won the title pretty much every year is because he's been hurt. And I get that the ACL is not like a injury prone injury; it's a freak accident. Yada yada yada, et cetera, et cetera. Um being more inclined to injury after an injury 
is a realistic thing though. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily he's gonna tear his ACL every time. So that is that's a problem for them. I think that's a genuine problem for them. Um that said, they have the best player in the world. Um, they are have one of the most insane home court advantages. Um, even though they're like what fourth in the West right now, third in the West, like you know, something like that, they will probably still end up number one, especially with the in crazy par- crazy parody um on the team. Uh so and I just think when you're the champ, like it, when you're the champ, it's really hard to fucking beat you. Even the even the Raptors the year after they lost Kawhi and won the title we're still a two seed. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there, there really is some sort of like psychic boon to being a, um, to being a, 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 a title defense person that kind of gives you a sort of unshakability and really makes a team earn it. Like a team's really got to be better than you to kind of dethrone you um, in the, the postseason. So I'm uh I, I'm picking Denver. Um, all the shit I just said about <laughs> why I'm picking the Wolves over there. I mean, I really part of the reason I picked the Wolves is because I think the Wolves are a bad matchup for Denver. Um, before it's possible. So, yeah. So yeah. I, I, think, I certainly think that they're one of the best matchups for Denver from the, the other yeah. side. Like they they have they they have the size and the uh, talent to at least give them problems. And we've seen that in, in the playoffs, they won a game and they competed in some others. And then in the regular season, they beat them earlier this year. So look, Denver uh, obviously just won that game without, uh, without all of their best players. I'm even beyond the Jamal Murray being worried thing. Aaron Gordon has been terrible this year. Yep. Now, I'm more concerned with that, and I'm sure he'll be fine because he's just really good, and he's a perfect fit for what they need and blah, blah, blah. But I'm less concerned about Jamal Murray, like, getting healthy and being fine, and I'm more concerned about that because, like, we've talked about their depth, and, like, their strength is their starting five being the best starting five in the NBA and having the best player. And as we move further away from that, I, I've joked about, like, Jamal Murray needs to prove it in the regular season. But, like, certainly not <laughs> certainly not the best start before he did get injured for him to kind of have that uh, in the regular season. But we've seen him do it in the playoffs before. They've been to a conference finals. They've won the title. I, I think that you still got to give them the benefit of the doubt, even if their resume right now is in a championship level resume. I think that you got to give them because they won the title last year that they will certainly be one of the top contenders again uh, this upcoming season. So Denver is a no-brainer to include because of Jokic, because of the fact that uh, there's no teams in the West that I really love as playoff teams, and I think that they should probably get back to the conference finals at a minimum. Um, But let's get into the next team, and you're going to make me do it again. I'm going to draft the Sixers. I think the Sixers are, this is the best team that they've had. I think I said this last year. This is the best team they've had during the Joel Embiid era. But the thing that was most encouraging to me coming out of that game last night was the way that they were using Tyrese Maxey. Because one of the things that I've really been worried about a little bit is Maxey's self-creation when we get to the playoffs 
because he started the year really hot in that department, was hitting a ton of floaters and tough shots, creating separation on the perimeter, taking more pull-up threes, all that shit. Since then, he's... He, he since that 40 point or 50 point game that he had, he's kind of just fell back a little bit in terms of his efficiency from inside the arc. His scoring overall has dipped a little bit, but last night against the Lakers in that game that we talked about earlier is the fact that they were using him like he was Steph Curry in that game. They were running pin downs for him. The two man game with him and Joel was unstoppable. He was able to get in the mid range. He's able to get downhill and get to the line a ton, get to the rim. They used him off platform as a shooter a little bit. They were running actions for him where he ended up in the corner and he was shooting off movement. He was shooting off movement on the perimeter. I want them to use him more like he is a Steph Curry type because he has that elite speed and shooting ability. Now, look, he'll never be Steph Curry. The shooting uh, is just another world with Steph and the release and all that shit. But if you could use him like he's a diet Steph Curry, that's the perfect kind of player that they've been missing in the playoffs um, alongside Joel Embiid. And, uh, you know, look, in late-game situations, I'm still not crazy about their offense. And I actually have more concerns about their defense than I do about their offense, which is weird to say. But their defense has been not great this year. Um, And another thing that I've kind of taken from these last few games is I know Tobias has had a really nice start to the year. There have been two games recently where Tobias played like absolute dog shit, the Nets game and the Lakers game, and the Sixers destroyed the other team. So I'm not really certain they really even need Tobias Harris all that much. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they traded him at the deadline. I think they'll probably keep him because they like him and his contract expiring and he had a good start to the year. But I do think the fact that he is maxi so improved and I'm not just on offense. Honestly, he's been really good on defense to start the year as well. I see someone in the comments saying they're worried that they're going to attack him on defense. The way to attack Tyrese Maxey on defense is to get him to run through a ton of screens, try to get him moving kind of off the ball. If you switch on to Tyrese Maxey, he's actually pretty good at guarding a guy in space and on an island. So I think it's going to take a really creative head coach like the, like Eric Spolstra or someone else like that. And I just don't really think there are a ton of teams that can take advantage of Maxi's weaknesses on defense in a way that they have in the past. So I feel confident about the Sixers right now. I think they need to make a move at the deadline. And I think getting Kelly Oubre back for them is going to be incredibly important. So yeah, the Sixers are contenders. Like, I mean, are they going to win the title? Maybe not. Maybe they don't even get to the conference finals. But it, in my opinion, I think that they have the makeup of a championship level team. It's just, you know, can they finally get over the hump? Yeah. I mean, everything you just said, I was going to pick them next. Um, if, if they had gotten back around to me, um, I think they're legit. Um, I think that, um, I, 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 let me just say this. I don't think Joel Embiid's, um, diaper disasters in the playoffs are going to suddenly stop. Um, I think that he like Jalen Brown might have to be managed at the end of games, but I think that's just how much I kind of believe in Tyrese Maxey and the overall like caliber of the team um, for them to kind of. The best of... player on the Celtics is Kristaps Porzingis and the best player on the Sixers is Tyrese Maxey. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, so like, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, Joel can have his dominant stretches. He can have his really big games. Um, I think that, Nick Nurse is the type of 
um, coach with the the balls and the gravitas to say to Joel Embiid, you're not going to touch the ball in the fourth quarter because you keep fucking turning it over every time Al Horford throws a double team at you, um, which I think could change their fortunes. Um, I also think the Sixers match up pretty well with a lot of teams. I think they've got a lot of personnel. They've got, um, they remind me a lot of the last iteration of the Celtics before they made all these trades where they do have a lot of positional versatility. There's not a lot of teams in the league that I look at and say the Sixers have no answer for any of that. Like, I think they have a lot of different versatility and options. And I think that really helps them just in terms of getting through the East. I think that they, you know, it's less likely that they're going to catch a bad matchup than some of these teams in the West who, you know, do have these, you know, big problems. So I think the Sixers are, you know, <laughs> they're, uh, you know, to, to use the football nomenclature, they're the lunch pail contender. They're nine to five. They're no one baller. believes in the Sixers. Yeah, they're they're flashy. They're, they're not flashy. They just, they get in, they get out. They don't do any work. And I think that, I, I also think that they are going to get the nobody believes in us bump because everyone is just going to be like Joel Embiid's a fraud. Joel Embiid's a fraud. He can't win in the playoffs. Sixers can't win in the playoffs. And then I think Nick Nurse and Tyrese Maxey will be. Oh well, I guess they're not frauds in the playoffs. Is the is is what I'm kind of looking at. So we, we will see where they kind of end up in this. Standings are important, I would say, in terms of seeding where they end up in the playoffs. Um, because I think that there are a lot of kind of weird matchups for them in the playoffs. The Magic are a weird team. I think for a lot of these top teams, the Heat are always going to give the top teams problems. So I don't think it's going to be an easy path for any of these top teams, including the Sixers. But, um, so I've drafted a contender. Do we want to do, let's do two more pretenders and two more contenders. Okay. So give me your uh, next pretender because I – wait, I I just drafted the Sixers as a contender. So you go pretender now, and then we'll get back into the contenders. I'm picking the Bucks. So you think the Bucks are a pretender? Pretender, yep. I have them in what I call the question mark zone. Okay. Where They've I think, been good recently. They've been good recently, right? I don't think they have been. I've watched the games. I don't think they have been. I think they've won the games. I think that they have not been good. I, that was going to be my point. They were going to yeah. response if you said they were good. I was <laughs> like, I've watched some of these games. They're not good. <laughs> they were down 26 points to the Blazers before they came back. They had to come back on the Wizards. Or they they, they had a tough wire-to-wire win against the Wizards. They, they beat the shit out of the Hornets. Okay. Cool. Everyone beats the shit out of the Hornets. And... The Celtics game, what did you come out of the Celtics game feeling about the Bucs? Because I watched some of that game, and I felt like the Celtics honestly kind of dominated the majority of the game, and then they went diaper disaster at the end. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was more about the Celtics than it was about the Bucs. Like, they, they, you know, credit to the Bucs for, like, coming back, but that was more of a indictment on the Celtics and, like, you know, kind of their championship aspirations, then, you know, the Bucks are good. I mean, like, look, the Bucks were um, on the road. That's probably the closest the team has come to um, beating the Celtics at home. Um, but I, I don't, uh, I, I just, I have no fear for them. I think that the bigger problem and a problem that a lot of West teams have is they've got a very glaring fucking problem in that they have 
no good perimeter defenders whatsoever. And like Damian Lillard, I'm sorry, in the playoffs, Damian Lillard and no good perimeter defenders is going to be a fucking disaster. Yeah. There's the, the, they, they, they could, it's like totally on the table that they could like lose to the fucking like Cavs, like in my mind. Like, yeah. I, I, I just, I don't see any way, honestly, like, there is a world where they like beat the Celtics just because of like diaper disaster familiarity. Like they're not going to win. That's going to be a, a series that they win in like round two in like seven games. They're not winning three series in a row. They're not beating whoever else. Like that's the thing is they're not good enough to win three series against the teams against teams that they're not clearly better than, you know, and that's, that's the, the issue in the East is is more competitive like i i just think that the you're not getting the by the by uh round matchups anymore like when they played the nikola vucevic magic a few years ago yeah you're just not getting those teams like you got the heat last year and you lost you're gonna get a tough matchup probably in the first round you might the sixers got the the closest thing to a by matchup last year and they got cosmic luck to get that with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both getting traded halfway through the season. So that path isn't there anymore. And and Will came into the chat the other day and was like, how are the Bucks going to win a playoff series? And my response was 45 minutes of Giannis playing a game. Yeah, like yeah. that's the only advantage they have really. Uh, and even he said, like, I think they're like a plus two per 100 possessions when Giannis is on the court. It's not like they're destroying teams when Giannis plays. He just has to go superhero mode every game in order to carry them and their defense, the communication is terrible. The personnel is not good. The coach is clearly has no fucking idea what he's doing. And it's a real problem for sure. I'm, I have that question mark. Cause I still think that maybe they pull something out of their ass in terms of a trade at the deadline or a buyout guy that I'm not thinking of right now to get someone who's playable because I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a slow start from Damian Lillard. He did he has started slow in the past, but Dame is having an all time free throw rate season for a guard so far in terms of grifting, and his shooting has regressed from all over the court. So if the shooting regressing is part of his decline and he doesn't get to the line as much in the playoffs, he could we could go from is Dame a playoff riser to is Dame a playoff dropper? Which, honestly, as you get further in the playoffs, historically, he ha- his stats really have suffered. And I'm not sure that this marriage with him and Giannis is a perfect marriage on the court like I thought it was going to be when I picked them to make the finals before the year. So I have them in the question mark zone. I just, I'm still not, like, fully given up on them, but I'm definitely not, like, f- feel good that they have... They don't have a profile of a contender, and they have not been, if they were not the Milwaukee Bucks, if they were the Philadelphia 76ers in doing this, no one would take them seriously at all. That's just the reality of the situation. So Um, someone said they'll get a new coach at the deadline. That's right. The Prunty. Prunty is back. I was going to say Prunty or they'll just bring back uh, Terry Stotts. Terry Stotts. Sorry, we fucked up. We picked the wrong guy. Punished Terry Stotts. Returning with an eye patch. (laughs) So, okay, so I had the Bucks in, so you had them as pretender. We already Mm -hmm. talked about the Lakers, so I don't really want to talk about them, but they're certainly in my pretender status. Like the Clippers, I didn't even consider them contenders in the, like, I I didn't even think it was, like, worth considering, so. All right, the last pretender I'm going to take is the Dallas Mavericks. 
So for you heard it here first, folks. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are are. Uh, I don't. I, I didn't have them written down at all. I don't think about them. Uh, it's the John Ham meme. <laughs> John, I don't yeah, think about you John at all. Draper. Yeah, you don't think about. It. I need. I need. I need uh, Murray to come back and make you mad online for another two weeks uh, playing out of his mind. So currently, they do have their net rating is more than twice as good as the Dallas Mavericks, the Atlanta Hawks. That's true. The Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks currently have the fourth offense in the NBA at 119 points per possession. And they have the 29th defense in the NBA, I believe. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The 25th defense in the NBA, 117 points per 100 possessions. A net rating of plus 1.3, which is about middle of the pack. They're like 12th or 13th in net rating right now, according to cleaning the glass. That's not good at all. Obviously I watched that game against the Clippers the other night and their defense. I know lively was out that game, but their defense really is not even, it's just like not the worst defense of all time when he's on the court, mm-hmm. their defense is so bad. And it all is just like, the Luca Kyrie thing is just they might be good enough to win a playoff series or maybe in the craziest worlds win two playoff series with Luca averaging 40 points a game like he's done before in the past. And their shot making will be insane. But like I just can't see a team with this defense doing this deep into the playoffs and winning a championship. It's just even yeah. even with a player that is capable of being the best player in a championship team like Luca, the Kyrie Luca fit in defensively in the playoffs. They don't have enough to really make up for that around him. They have a ton of youth and inexperience on the roster right now, and they're just like Luca's defense is so bad, and no one really ever talks about it because he's so good on offense. But like. He does not give a shit at all, especially during the regular season. And we had this argument, I think we did a Luka versus Embiid argument during the offseason, like which player would you rather have? And your whole point on this was, I'd rather have the player who plays well in the playoffs, which makes sense to me. But once again, just like the Lakers, you have to get to the playoffs. And like, I'm not positive that they're going to make it to the playoffs. This team is not deep. They were shooting way above their head to start the season. They're way worse than their record. Having like, That was one of the most pitiful games I've watched all year. The Clippers last night against the Nuggets, and then funny enough, the Clippers playing against the Mavericks, and the, and the Mavericks' performance in that game was just so pathetic. Unless they get incredibly hot shooting or insane shot-making from Luka and Kyrie, they're going nowhere, and I would be I would be surprised if they won a playoff series at this point. Like I don't think that team's good at all. They're, they're, they're like... They're, they're so weird because, like, I can kind of talk myself into, like, a Lakers-type scenario for them where, you know what I'm saying, if you have the best player, you know, you can hypothetically, like, win a series or even two, which is exactly how they won with Luka, you know, two years ago. I just don't – you're not going to win three. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing is, is like, you, you're not going to they're, – they're, they're close enough with enough teams that I just don't think they have the – the solid baseline. They don't have the the defense not being there is a problem. Um, the, the the Kyrie like at any point in time could just decide. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on this, and that could also just be the end of the team. So I, I don't know. I I think 
it's hard for me to say because of the ones we've named, this is the scariest one for me because Luca is kind of him sometimes, <laughs> like in the playoffs, especially in a West right now that I think, I think all the teams are good, but I think also think all the teams have weaknesses that can be exploited. I think every team has a matchup that they could personally take that could destroy them early. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think there are a lot of teams that could win the West through the right combination of um, rock, paper, scissors. That said, I do agree with like your larger point that I just don't think this Mavs team is like very good. And I don't think any amount of playoff rising can kind of turn them into three series winners. So can, can, can they trade for anyone at the dead? Like who would, they, who, what level of player would they have to get? Do they even have any picks left? They have one pick left. They have maybe? one pick they can trade, and I just don't even know. And like, who are you even sending out at that point? Well, like, is Tim Hard- Tim Hardaway Jr. still on the roster? Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. is on the roster. He's got one more year left on his deal. Rashawn yeah. Holmes is dead salary expiring, so that will be good for a trade. That's right. I forgot they had. Uh, so you can get to like thirty million, and the Josh Green thing's hard to figure out because he has the poison pill contract because he signed his extension. Yeah. There are ways to make those kind of trades work. It's, they're just really hard to pull off in the middle of a season. Um, but the player that came in mind for me, if they did, would, would it change your opinion on the Mavs at all? If they traded Tim Hardaway Jr., Rashawn Holmes expiring contract, and one first-round pick for Jeremy Grant? Because then your starting five could be Luca Kyrie, Jeremy Grant, Grant Williams, and and Lively. I think that's definitely. And then I'm, if you I'm keep wondering... Josh Green, maybe if you give up a unprotected, I mean, I wouldn't give up an unprotected first for Jeremy. I, I guess yeah, because the peril with Jeremy Grant is how big his salary is, and if you're the Dallas Mavericks, who fucking cares? You know, you, you need to spend also, money and bring also you guys. got you've got Adelson money now. Like, let's go. Like, uh, go. you know, you don't need to worry about that. Let's go. Yeah. Like, uh, you got, you got buy me a newspaper. Buy me a propaganda paper, money. Yeah, yeah. But you, Mark Mark Cuban can stop pretending to be a broke boy. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So it, it's all over. So maybe yeah. that's why we should they're do invest, it. They're investing yeah. in uh, the. They're going to pay the tax finally. Let's uh, go. That's a trade that I think that if it were realistic, if if the Blazers were willing to take on an extra year of Tim Hardaway's contract to get that first round pick and they're desperate to get off the Jeremy Grant contract already, which I'm not even sure they are to be completely honest. Jeremy Grant's been really good, but he's also in a completely different role than he would be on the Mavericks. And the last thing I have to ask you about the Mavericks, did you see the thread about Luca being overrated <laughs> on Twitter? No, oh, no, no. What did it say? What was the, what was the gist? So I, by the way, I got Dean on drafts thoughts on this. I DM'd him and <laughs> Dean on drafts sent me some thoughts back. Okay, let's go. So, Lucas, the most YKB over- correspondent. Yes. Dean on draft. Dean on yeah. draft. Yeah. yeah. Sam cosigns anything he's ever said. Yeah. Anything Dean has said, I totally agree with it. I'm sure yep. there's nothing bad in there. Yep. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, NBA stats at sports underscore mediocre tweeted Luka Doncic is the most overrated player in the NBA. This thread will get into the weeds. If you're a yay po- points person, it's not for you. I'll cover Luka Let's has go. no help, stat padding. <laughs> Why advance all in one metrics continue to misjudge him and more? Okay, I love I love the trigger warning for people who love uh, points. This isn't your mom's points per game. <laughs> <laughs> you want to buzz off? This is you, you, if you're if you're a snowflake liberal who likes points per game, get out of here. <laughs> so, all right, 
the first point, Luca has no health. Ask mm-hmm. yourself, what would it look like if a player had help winning? The most obvious answer, their team wins with them off the court. Let's see what the data shows for Luca. For Luca's career, his team is a plus 1.2 with him off the court. In four or five seasons, his team had a positive net rating with him off the court. So far, they have this year as well. Thinking it's because Luca only plays with the worst of his teammates? Well then, his teams would get crushed in the games that he misses, right? In the 61 regular season games that Luca missed, the Mavericks have won by 0.2 points per game. In the three playoff games he missed, they were 2-1, and one, and they won by 2.7 points per game. So Luca gets help when he's off the court. So what? Don't All-Stars? Well, no. In Luca's first five seasons, he has a positive, they have a positive net rating with him off the court. In LeBron's 20 seasons, that happened one time. In Steph's 12 seasons, it happened two times. Luca has already more seasons of off-court help than LeBron and Steph combined. Are LeBron and Steph outliers? The last five MVP winners basically all kind of have the same thing. Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis, their swings are positive, crazy when they're on the court and negative when they're off the court. Um, To summarize, his team wins with him off the court. His team wins with him missing games and other stars don't get off the court help like he does. And then also they go into this whole thing about stat padding and how heliocentrism makes it so that his box metric score impacts the 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 uh, the the metrics in a positive direction for him, and the ones that don't take box score into account for him have him as more of like a a starter than like a star. I mean, you've always hey. been the Lucas him guy. I've I, I've been a little I Lucas amazing. This is not. Lucas Slander. He's incredible. If there were three guys in a playoff series or four guys in a playoff series, he's probably one of those four you want going into a playoff series. It's like him, Jokic, Steph, and I've seen I've seen Luca be a dog. You know what I'm saying? Like the the problem is he's like he's a dog in a way that is not boomer coded, you know, because he's always like, you know, coming in like overweight and like there's always like him like smoking hookah and like doing sure. all this other stuff, you know, like, like just like liking all this. He's other a work stuff. life balance king. Yeah. He really is a work. Like he's a work hard, play hard guy. Like for yeah. real, like, like, so I, I, I get, um, I get the skepticism. I think it's a fair argument. I'm not, I I'm okay with looking stupid. If Luca ends up being not that good. Let me just say that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable on the Luca's actually good side of things that thread did not, uh, did not. He did say on here, keep in mind, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he's overrated when compared to other superstars. That's a, that's a totally fine line to make. I think he's, I still think he's better than like Giannis. I think I think Giannis is the most overrated superstar, but that's uh, that's just me. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Also, Brian has me totally figured out because I've also seen Luca hit like multiple buzzer beating game winners against the Celtics, and they only they've only played him like what like ten times in his career. And I swear to God, he has like four at the buzzer like game. Also, I want to point out that the teams that Sam has been saying are contenders are the two teams that have beat the the Celtics as well, the Sixers and the Wolves. <laughs> uh, well, gotta be if you if you want to be the best, you gotta beat the best. Do we do we want to move on to my next contender pick? All right, <laughs> let's get let's get your last contender pick here. Oh, by, by the way, I just want to say on the Luca thing. 
if we're going into a playoff series, sure. And he doesn't have the help he once had, so it's hard for me to get mad at him if they miss the playoffs again. But you got to make the playoffs this year, dude. Like, I know that you were injured last year. It wasn't all your fault. You were like a 500 team when you played. But you got to carry your team to the playoffs this year if you want to be considered one of the four or five best players in the NBA. So, okay. So, my final uh, contender pick on the other the other team I think that could win the entire NBA championship this year is the Orlando Magic. Let's go! <laughs> I got scared away. I was a year early on them last year. They didn't make the playoffs. I was very sad. Um, so the Orlando Magic. Now, some might say, but Sam, didn't you just say the Oklahoma City Thunder were too young and that automatically disqualifies them as a pretender? Sam, didn't you say that Paulo Bancaro is much worse than Chet Holmgren literally episodes ago? Sam, are you losing the thread on your own agendas and like literally cannot keep straight what you're coming up with? However, here's what I would say. Have you considered that I have now watched the Orlando Magic play and they beat the Celtics, so therefore they're good now? Have you, have you not considered that? I, I forgot that so, part. Yeah. Um, here's what I will say. Um, what are the Magic are second in defense right now? They are currently second in defense. They have the fourth best net rating in the NBA. So I'm just going to say their um, personnel, I think the Magic are more likely to make an in-season trade than the Thunder. Oh, sorry. Um, they have the sixth best net rating in the NBA. I apologize. Okay. Apologies okay. to Minnesota, Houston, and Oklahoma City who are ahead yeah. of them. So they have, um, as Void points out in the comments, they have worse shooting than the Thunder, correct. Um, they are also a much better defense than the Thunder. Even though Chet is him, they are still a much better defense. And I also they also have a benefit that the Oklahoma City Thunder do not have, in that they play in the Eastern Conference. That is a huge boon especially when the best team in the Eastern conference you match up really well with. Um, so that is, that is the, my reasoning for picking them. I just, I've listed trill. You listed the Sixers. I think there's three contenders in the East. I think it's the magic, the Celtics and the Sixers. This is probably really early on the magic. Um, I'm still going to go with it um, because honestly, Franz has not played that well this year. Yeah, he has um, like, like their stars, Paolo's been, you know, pretty good. But hold like, on, he's not... hold on. This is shout out to Vagberg. This is his favorite thing. In the eleven okay. games without Markel Fultz this year, yeah, Paolo Bencaro is averaging twenty two point six rebounds and four point five assists on 52 percent shooting uh, from the field, fifty percent shooting from three. The only thing with Paolo that's a little bit concerning to me is he's still a bad free throw shooter. He's shooting in the sixties to start this year. He shot in like the mid seventies. But my point here is that I've always been a Paolo guy. Everyone knows that listens to the podcast. Let Paolo cook, let Franz cook, get spacers around those guys. Suggs is already way better than Markel Fultz. Anthony Black is way better than Markel Fultz. Yeah, like, so, just yeah. get, get, move off Markel Fultz at the deadline, get them some spacing, and I think this team can make real noise in the playoffs. So that's the other difference between the Thunder and the the, the Magic is outside of Fultz that they really don't have any mean players. 
like, like they have a lot of really good, like even like John Harris is solid now. Jonathan Isaac Harris, is solid. Yeah, sure. I was just gonna say, like Jonathan Isaac, like honestly, you we forget because he's a hurt all the time, and b he's like a, a funny like. It's funny to say he was at CPAC and like all this other stuff. He's he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA also. Like, so he's incredible. Like, yeah. When he yeah. actually can play, so when he, when he actually can play. So the real, their only shitters are Markel who just doesn't fit with the team and uh, Joe Ingles, who's like 95 years old. Yeah. Joe, and, and like, I, I honestly think they could upgrade. I don't even really think they need to upgrade the Markel spot. They just need to swap in Anthony black. Like you have Cole Anthony as your sixth man, like already, like, you know, there's, there's, they really just need to replace the Ingles spot with like some sort of trade. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty easy for them to do that. I, I think that they are a much more balanced team than the thunder. I think they play in the easier conference in the East than some of these other teams. And I think more importantly, they match up with one of the only good teams in the conference in the Celtics. I think um, they match up well with the Sixers too, actually. Yeah. I so, actually think, cause I think what, okay. What, what are you scared of when it comes to playoff time? It's like, look, yeah. Wendell Carter is, is hurt all the time. So maybe he's just never healthy, but like, okay, you have guys who can help off whoever's on the court. Uh, and they have really good defenders. They have a good post defender in, in Wendell Carter who can body up and bead. And then you have Suggs on the perimeter on Maxi, and Maxi struggles with size. And like that's why I think that in a Celtic series or a Magic series, he could really struggle offensively. So I, I think the Magic match up well with both the Sixers, and I even think they match up well with the Bucks too. Like, like there isn't a team that I feel like they match up poorly with. I could also still see them losing to the Miami Heat in the first round. Like that's that's the thing. That's why they have them in the question mark zone for me. Yes. Where it's like the inexperience and also like if they get the wrong matchup in the first round, they could still lose to me. But I think they match up well with the Sixers, Bucks, and Celtics. And those are the teams that probably still have the best chance of coming out of the East. So, yeah, I, I got to give them I, – I mean, I, I don't think it's insane. To, I, I also think the Thunder are contenders. I don't think it's insane to say the Magic could be contenders. But I'm also – I think Paolo is going to be two or three years from now the best player on a contender, but maybe he just ends up being a little ahead of schedule and gets better throughout the year. So, yeah, um, I'm just I'm just still shocked. I, again, all of this is coming with like Franz really not playing well and like Paolo being like pretty good, but like not I, a superstar. He's, no. he's not a superstar yet. You no. know what I'm saying? Like they're just a good team yes. right now, and they have young guys who can still take steps. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, it reminds me a lot of the young Celtics team. So I'm going to be honest, like, like right now. So I wonder uh, if they do try to trade for Anthony Simons when he gets healthy. They might, I mean, <laughs> Brian said in the comments traded for Marcus Smart. <laughs> the I don't think the, ma- I, I, I know Smart got mad at the team the other day. I don't know if you saw that video where he was. Yeah, yeah. I did. It hurt my yeah. heart. Really yeah, I know it did. Heart. He got mad at the team, but I'm like, I just, why would the Grizzlies trade him? I, I'm having a hard time. Like they just traded real value for him. I, I, I just don't. I don't see. I don't see that really. If you get a good, if happen. you get a good pick, I, I don't know. Yeah. If you get a good pick, maybe if you they truly punt on the season, I don't yeah, know. yeah, they're already going to be so bad. I just, I, I don't see a way of them not being one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So all right. So you pick them mm-hmm. as your, and then I have. Two more teams left in the question mark zone, but mm-hmm. since I have to pick one more contender, 
I'm picking between the because the Magic were also in my question mark zone. The Bucks were in my question mark zone. I don't feel great about this one, but it comes down to the Heat or the Suns for me. And I'm just going to go with the Suns here as my last contender, even though I don't feel great about the Bradley Beal thing. I don't feel great about Kevin Durant staying healthy, and I don't feel great about the rest of their roster around those dudes. But Devin Booker is one of the five best players in the NBA now, and I've been saying it since the playoffs, I guess. Like, I think that Devin Booker, when we talk about, like, one of the four or five guys you want going into a playoff series, Booker's on that list now. And he just had another incredible game. His passing has gone up a level this year. We've seen him be able to defend at least at a decent level in the playoffs. And he is arguably the most unstoppable three-level scorer other than Jokic. And, I mean, Embiid doesn't even shoot threes. Jokic doesn't even really shoot threes. Like, if Booker's shooting is real, this three-point leap that he's made, or at least was making, I haven't really checked the stats recently, but he hit that game winner against the Knicks the other night. Best tough shot maker in the NBA. Really good on the ball. Really good off the ball. And now is like an advanced passer and playmaker. I, I have question marks about their defense for sure. I have question marks about their health. But just in order to win a title, you need to have one of the five best players in the NBA. And in a playoff series, Devin Booker is one of the five best players in the NBA. So I will take the Suns as my last contender. And I think that the of all the teams we discuss, I think that it's it's more likely that they win a title than some of the other teams that we discussed, just because of this leap that Booker's made. And honestly, KD's still really good. Like KD's yeah. still one of the ten best players, fifteen best players in the NBA. I still don't know what to make of the Suns. They're like my they're like my strongest of teams I would have in the question mark zone. They're like my strongest one. Yeah. Um, the Heat are in the question mark zone just because of Devil Magic. Like they're sure. not a good team, but you can never Devil count Magic. them out. Yeah, the numbers just, don't matter for them. It's just evil. Like there's just something satanic. Like they yeah. really are. Like the, the the in like Malazan, the Malazan like fan, high sure. fantasy books. There's something called the Crippled God that is just a demonic presence that perverts all natural order. That is the Miami Heat. They really are. Now the perversion is more literal in HGH levels, um, but it is, uh, it is very much, uh, they're, they're just something else. I just, I want to see Bradley Beal and like their whole team before I like do it. Yeah, I know we haven't seen it literally at all. It is very funny that what we did three rounds of contenders and you and I picked the magic and Suns, and I don't feel very good about either of those teams as contenders, to be honest. Like it really is like a, it's test. weird because there are a lot of really good teams and no great teams. It feels like, yes. like, like maybe exactly. two, but the, the reason why everyone's picking Boston and Denver is because it's just the easy default. And yes, like the exactly. number, the numbers have bared out for the Celtics so far. And yep. we know the the Nuggets can win a title, so it's just easy to pick those teams. But it doesn't really feel like there's a ton of great teams. There's a lot of good teams, which will lead to parity, like it did last year, where like right. the Lakers are in the conference finals somehow, and like the theater in the NBA finals somehow. So right. we'll see. I don't know. There, there's a lot of basketball left to be played, but I, uh, I, I definitely am looking forward to seeing who kind of rises to to the top over the next few weeks. And sorry to Lyle in the comments, we did not pick the Rockets. So, <laughs> <laughs> no. but look, in three years from now, when Shangoon is one of the five best players in the NBA, um, then we we can talk. Let's come back talk soon. He's still twenty one though, even though we did just pick the uh, <laughs> the Magic and the Thunder, who are in similar situations. But all right. Thank you guys for watching. Sign up for the Patreon if you have not already. Uh, anything else you want to say? Yes, I'm wearing a furry wrist thing that I found in here.
Yeah, I'm, I think we touched on all the topical news in the NBA today. Uh, we did not leave anything yep. unmentioned. Oh, or, wait. I forgot. Yeah. The uh, the tall white player in OKC, the Thunder, yeah. Chet, Chet Holmgren. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, um, our comp that we came up for him the other day was um, weird, weird uh, new-aged Anthony Davis, but with better touch. I kind of like that actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he could be. Yeah, I say, but yeah, better touch. He's he might even be thinner. He's probably thinner than AD. He's definitely he's thinner even, than when even, he was young. Even yeah. AD when yeah. he was thinner. Yeah, yeah. so it's like fifty pounds lighter than him now. So yeah, hmm. so probably like less of an upside as like a bruiser. So, yeah. uh, but still, like but second best guy on a really good team, maybe a one B elite yeah. rim protector, defensive uh, responsibility, all that shit. So, um. So yeah, that's the only news that happened regarding uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder in the last week. And uh, yeah, don't look at the comments, by the way. Yeah, don't uh, don't look at anything. But uh, hold on. Okay, Trill, no, no, no. Trill, I'm getting a report. Um, All right, Eugene, baby. <laughs> All right, take, take, All right. Take we'll care. see everyone in the Patreon episode. Bye, bye. Bye, bye.